We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Halloween special. You're listening to both Weird Distractions and Yield Crime. I'm one of your hosts, Alex, from Weird Distractions, and with me today is host Linz from Yield Crime. Hi. It is me. (laughs) Before we get into our respected stories, we didn't really know how to start this episode out, so we're like, what do we want to talk about? And Mm -hmm. we thought we'd talk about the things that we like to do when it's Halloween. You know, favorite rituals, movies, shows, I don't know, activities. So, Linz, I'm going to peg this question over to you. What do you like to do? for halloween how do you celebrate the best holiday there is great question i'm glad you asked alex uh (laughs) so we love to watch halloween themed movies like the whole month of october and i am like we don't watch the really scary ones just because children my youngest isn't there and i can't do anything with zombies unless it's like a kid's movie with zombies then i'm fine but if it's anything with real zombies i get anxiety and cry but we do we are a nightmare before christmas family so we do watch that every year love we watch hocus pocus every year there's some other ones we watch do you do halloween town at all i don't think we do i don't think we've ever watched it disney plus do it it's a it's a classic i should see if we should watch that this week Yes. And we don't really decorate just because we don't get a lot of kids on our street. But when I do hand out candy, I do wear a costume. Nice. So in years past, I have worn an inflatable Tyrannosaurus Rex costume when handing out candy. Amazing. And I stood outside one year doing it because it gets cold here in Minnesota. We don't have the cool Halloween like they do in California where you don't have to wear a coat over your costume. Yeah, you can actually wear your costume and not have to worry about getting frostbite. Exactly. Having to wear a hat and gloves and boots with your, you know, whatever costume. Yeah. And so I was just standing there like holding this bowl of candy as this woman wearing heels. And I'm assuming her husband or boyfriend and their small child were like coming up the driveway. And I started waving my hand frantically, which, you know, they're like dinosaur hands. So I'm like, yeah, it's very short. So I'm like kind of pinned close to my chest. And she shrieked and she almost fell down the driveway. And I felt really bad. She was like, oh, my God, I thought you were fake. Stop it, ma'am. How did you? Okay. The fun thing about my neighborhood, because we live in a small town, is there are a lot of people who will tailgate Halloween. So they'll travel in groups with, like, a cooler on wheels and the adults will be drinking while trick-or-treating. And I have not yet joined a crew, but you need to join a crew lens. Get someday. into it. Yes. Someday I'll it. join a cooler crew and then I too will be one of the locals. The cooler on wheels crew. The cooler on wheels crew. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. That sounds so fun. So what about you? What what I saw you posted oh. pictures of a party recently. 
I Scooby Doo. Yeah. yeah. So my boyfriend and I hosted a Halloween party. We were a Scooby and Shaggy, so that was fun. I go all out with decorations because I am psychotic and I have a credit card and a local Dollarama. So that's also a good time. And I also watch, I try to watch a lot of the Halloween specials. I'm a sucker for The Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors. Oh, yes. I've probably seen up until the most recent, so like last year's, I probably watched them like the same episode like 20 times. So I love those. I love like any Halloween based movie, obviously. So Hocus Pocus is an, a good one. I watched Halloween Town yesterday. Uh, Frank and Weenie. Mm-hmm. Um, Nightmare That's Before Christmas. Right. I saw the newest Exorcist movie. That was in a okay. spooky season. It wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be, to be honest. I watched The Exorcist when I was, like, seven. So, yeah, I, I was kind of expecting a lot more puke. Um, yeah. A lot more heads turning. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, though, just, you know, um, try and also do any kind of haunted attraction. So there is a farm about, like, almost two hours away from me that I've gone to in the past. I forget what its name is right now, which is really embarrassing, but... Like stuff like that, like where there's, mm-hmm. you know, corn mazes, spooky stuff that jumps out at you, all kinds of spooky stuff because I'm an adrenaline junkie when it comes to that. Yeah. This year I'm working at Pumpkin Patch. So you are. Are you like, do they do any like creepy after hours stuff or no? Yep. They have the dead end here ride at mm-hmm. starting at seven o'clock. So the Pumpkin Patch part of it closes down at seven mm-hmm. and that's when the dead end here ride takes over. So nice. I fucking mm-hmm. love Halloween season. Spooky season is the best season. You can't. I know people get really excited for Christmas or whatever, but there's just something fun. And like the decorations and the candy and the desserts, everything. Mm-hmm. Pumpkin flavored everything. Pumpkin flavored everything. Although I did see that apparently Starbucks is releasing their Christmas stuff, I think, next week. Gross. Or, well, I guess it'll be the week of when this episode comes out. But yeah. So it's here, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. New Year's. Easter. It's already 2020. St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) (laughs) We've already skipped 2024. It's already 2025. Yeah. We're we're there. Speaking of getting there. Oh, segue. I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you could kick us off with your spooky story. So you picked a haunted location from your state, and I Mm -hmm. picked a haunted location from my province. And together, we'll join forces to scare maybe one person today. It's a goal. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I just cracked one of my fingers when I did that. That was hot. My bones are still good. (laughs) A little tired. So today, I will be telling you about the Wabasha Street Caves. I'm, what did you call me? (laughs) I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. (laughs) How did you know my college nickname? Oh my God, no. (laughs) That's my new AM name, even though AM. There you go. We use Messenger, so that would be a messenger name. Um, And there you go. Street Cave. Anyways, continue. Street Cave. (laughs) So for this, I pulled information from the following sources, a 2021 Llewellyn article by Rich Newman, 2021 Minnesota Daily article by Macy Harder, 2019 Historic Twin Cities article, Atlas Obscura, Explore Minnesota, Historical St. Paul article by Paul Nelson, TripAdvisor, Visit St. Paul, the Wabasha Caves website, and the York Brewery website. So the Wabasha Street Caves first opened their doors under the name of the Castle Royal 
1933 in St. Paul, Minnesota's West Side, local papers dubbed Castle Royal as the, quote, world's most gorgeous underground nightclub, end quote. Ooh, love a nightclub. Mm-hmm. This Depression-era hotspot was also rumored to be a popular watering hole for famous gangsters such as Ma Barker, Babyface Nelson, and John Dillinger. Ooh, okay. Gang, gang. Gang, gang. <laughs> so how did this nightclub come to be? So the history of the Wabasha Street Caves dates all the way back to the 1800s when local indigenous tribes such as the Lakota and the Sioux used the naturally forming caves, which live under a large plateau that sits opposite downtown St. Paul. So it's like along okay. the Mississippi. Ooh, okay. The caves were made deep into the soft St. Peter sandstone thanks to the Russian Mississippi River. And it wouldn't be until the 1840s that some of these caves were enlarged or created when the area started to be mined for silica sand, which is used to make glass. The Yerg family opened Minnesota's first brewery in 1848. And in 1871, Anthony Yerg, the founder, built another brewery across the Mississippi on Ohio Street in the West Side Caves. They developed a mile of these underground caves to keep the Bavarian beer that they were brewing cool. Okay. That's smart. Yeah. And at the time, they were able to make up to 50 barrels of beer a day. And then by a decade later in 1881, the family-owned operation was able to produce over 20,000 barrels of cave-aged beer a year. The operation came to an end in the 1950s due to a number of factors, including high costs of new brewing methods, post-prohibition, the deaths of the two youngest York sons, the historic flood of 1952, and a fire in 1958 that destroyed the building. <laughs> she seen bitter days is what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, geez. So this is probably like my favorite fun fact about these caves. In the 1880s, sections of the West Side Caves gained a new purpose as the perfect environment for the cultivation of mushrooms. Stop. This is the same as the Paris Catacombs. They did mm-hmm. this too. Oh, love a good cave shroom. Mm-hmm. I love that. In fact, at the peak of its production, more than 50 caves were being used to grow mushrooms, making the area the mushroom capital of the Midwest. I love it. I love it. So I don't know why I love it, but I love it. Because that's the last place you think about seeing anything grow other than, you know, five-legged mice, I guess. Yeah. Or like, you know, stalactites, stalagmites. I can never remember which one is which, but, you know. For some reason, it's like whimsical, the idea of yeah. like a field of mushrooms in a cave. And like, you just know they would taste good. Like the beer underground, nah, I'm not really here for it. But the mushrooms, you know those things are going to be good with steak. Know it. Mm-hmm. 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 I love that. Miles of caves along the Mississippi River under a number of St. Paul streets, such as modern-day Plato, Water, and Joy streets, were given the moniker Mushroom Valley. I love that, too. This random industry lasted well into the next century, were tapering off in 1980. So it went on for a while. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned the catacombs, because one mushroom mogul, if you will, was a French immigrant named Albert Mouchnot. I did not translate his name. Mouchnot? Killed it. I nailed it. Nailed it. Who emigrated to St. Paul in the early 1900s, and he worked with investors to start his own growing operation in the Wabasha Street Caves. And a few years later, with the advent of Prohibition in the 1920s, Albert decided to ditch mushrooms and instead had the caves converted into a restaurant and nightclub, which became known as the Wabasha Street Speakeasy. Okay. 
Interesting. Wild. It was around a decade later that couple William and Josie Lehman also opened up their own operation in the same string of caves. Their establishment, the Castle Royal that I mentioned at the top, officially opened its doors on October 26, 1933, and was home to extravagant chandeliers, exotic oriental carpets, a band shell, and even boasted a gambling room in the back. Why is this place sound nicer than my house? Right. Do I want to live in a cave? Is this our sign to move into these caves? Because I feel like it is. <laughs> live amongst the mushrooms? Live among, yeah, live amongst the shrooms. So it's in this gambling room that a local gangland legend supposedly took place. According to the story, four gangsters were playing a game of cards in the fireside room in the Castle Royal when a man arrived quite suddenly and asked the band that had been playing to scram, essentially. After they left, it was just the four card players, the man with the case, and a lone waitress. While the waitress left the men to head to the kitchen, she suddenly heard what sounded like the rapid-fire pops of a Thompson submachine gun in the other room. My goodness. When she ran back out to investigate, three of the men were dead, and the man with the case and the fourth card player were nowhere to be found. Yikes on the behind. So it's assumed that the pair had planned the hit on the other oh, three. Oh, okay. I thought maybe the fourth card player or whatever was kidnapped and I don't know. But hey, yeah, that also works too. That's mm-hmm. cool. It's very uh, mischievous. The waitress quickly called the St. Paul police entered the caves to investigate the fireside room on their own. When they came back, they accused the the waitress of filing a false report. Oh, no, they didn't. Stating that there were no bodies, blood, or evidence of any kind that a crime had even taken place. The waitress was adamant about what she heard and saw, pointing out the bullet holes that had been left in the stones of the fireplace to prove that she was telling the truth. So the rumor was that the police were in on the hit somehow. Oh, shit. And that they covered up the crime by burying the three men in another of the vast network of caves. Oh my gosh. So the, basically the police ran in on it. They gaslit this waitress. Mm-hmm. And now these people are, wow, okay. Drama. Mm-hmm. Lots of drama. And the bullet holes from this supposed hit can still be found on the fireplace today. Ooh, okay. That's spooky. With the outbreak of World War II in the late 1930s, the Castle Royal shut its doors and the once-renowned speakeasy went back to its roots when it once again was used as a mushroom-growing operation. Yay, mushrooms! (laughs) Love to see it. And over the course of the next several years, the Wabasha Street Caves would be used for a number of things. From 1940 to 1959, they acted as a low-cost storage facility for Lando Lake's cheese. Of course. See, in the 1930s, a professor at the University of Minnesota was able to determine that the caves offered the same conditions as the famous Roquefort Caves in France, which at the time were used in the production of blue cheese. Okay. Stinky. So for a while, Lando Lakes tried their hand at making St. Paul the blue cheese capital of North America. Oh, okay. Which got a boost with the start of the war since the U.S. had stopped importing things from France. Right. Okay. Fair enough. We had, you, you guys basically had to make your own stinky cheese. We had to get scrappy. Yeah, that's fair. 
1941 alone, three million pounds of blue cheese were produced in St. Paul. <laughs> Are y'all okay? I don't. I don't partake in the stinky blue cheese, um, but that's a lot of cheese. <laughs> that's a lot of stinky blue cheese, and that's a lot of people with digestive issues. Because even back then, like you probably didn't have probiotics. Well, I don't know when probiotics came out, but still, that kind of stuff wasn't as you know highlighted as it is today. So there's probably a lot of gassy people with uh, constipation. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a stinky time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> Raft also used some of the space in the caves for their own cheese production. Hey. But it stopped for both companies in the 1950s for reasons that we really don't know. They probably were like, you know, there's some better way to do this cheese. <laughs> and they just decided not to use the caves anymore. Yeah. Maybe they got some complaints. I don't yeah. know. Maybe they just realized they were outliving their cave era and needed to uh, get a factory like a normal company. In the 1970s, the Castle Royal was brought back from the dead and reinvented oh. as a disco hall. Oh, fun. Mm -hmm. It operated as an event venue until 2019. Some of the Holy. caves acted as debris storage for items that washed up from the Mississippi River during times of flooding. Mm -hmm. In fact, some of the items can still be found in the caves today, which is kind of cool, also kind of creepy. Kind of spooky, yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of weird. Right now, the area that was once the Castle Royal is the home of the Wabasha Street Caves, which hosts a variety of events, including weddings, banquets, cave tours, and swing dancing nights. Stop it. That's mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. Okay. And it is also the only remaining gangster-era historic site in the city of St. Paul. Hmm. Interesting. So the Wabasha Street Caves are some of the only ones that are still open to the public. Over the years, the caves understandably attracted many people, including adventure seekers. Following the accidental deaths of several young cave explorers due to fire, cave-ins, and three who recently died by asphyxiation in 2004, the city made the decision to close them all down to prevent further incidents. That's fair. I get that. And I wasn't able to find any mention of anything post-2004, so that's yeah. good. Okay. Yeah, that's a plus. So now let's talk about spooks. Yeah, that's what we're all here about. Yes. About. That's what we're all about. That's what we're all about, too. I, if, what? I just had a stroke. It's fine. It best. Are you drunk? No, I'm drinking tea. <laughs> it's spiked. Anyway. So according to the Lulin article, there are claims that up to 30 spirits call the caves in St. Paul home. 30? Not, not just the Wabashot Caves. Okay. And there are several stories of the living experiencing ghostly encounters there. Understandably, there are stories of a ghost that resembles an old gangster in a suit and hat haunting the caves, possibly one of the three that have been gunned down during that fateful card game. Sometimes he's just seen as is, and other times people say that they've heard the sounds of big band music playing as well when he appears. Ooh, that's eerie. Almost like mm -hmm. it replaying the moments before he was fatally shot. Yeah, before the guy with the case came in and was like, scram. Yeah, scram, it's me. Speaking of big band music, many people have reported seeing a phantom couple dancing on the dance floor, reliving the days when big bands would play at the, at the Casino Royale. Kind of romantic and spooky all at once. Yeah, I thought it was kind of sweet. Yeah, you know what? That's what I want in the afterlife. That's all. I want the person who I love the most to be dancing with me in the afterlife. That's all I want. There you go. That's all I ask for. 
And if I happen to scare some people while I'm doing it, that's a more bonus, better. baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a bonus. That's just a bonus. One of the most famous apparitions is that of a woman seen at the bar. Okay. She is noted as looking sad, which, I mean, same. Yeah, fair. And some have reported that her appearance is either startling because of how um, solid she oh. appears. With how sad she is. <laughs> You're real depressed. Are you okay, ma'am? <laughs> Um, others have said it's even terrifying, like, like quite terrifying. So I don't know if she's like sobbing, if she's just kind of like one of those floppy sad drunks that, you know, kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. I picture Kim Kardashian crying face, just like as a ghost. It's like, oh my God, Kim, there are literally people dying. Relax. You'll find your earring. And she's just like, I just want some bathtub hooch. Come on, guys. (laughs) Who is this Kim Kardashian you speak of? Why don't you guys have any cocktail gin? Yeah, where's the gin? gin? Where's the shroom? (laughs) You also have your typical list of paranormal activity, strange voices, and otherwise empty spaces, misty figures that appear and disappear just as quickly. There is even a photo that supposedly shows a recent young guest surrounded by a number of spirits. Ooh, okay. which Which I don't like that. I don't like that either. Although when I first read that, I pictured it being like a birthday party and they were like singing happy birthday. And when there's like a bunch of ghosts just yeah. being like, happy birthday, you yeah. know. Hey, Kevin. Because Kevin's like tripping balls like, what? I'm sorry. I ate some mushrooms that I saw in the hallway. <laughs> no one said they were bad. I don't think I'm okay, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> are the are the cave balls supposed to be this fuzzy? Is that a woman crying at the bar? I don't know what's happening right now. She kind of looks like Kim Kardashian, but to be honest, I don't know why she'd be in St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, man. According to the Wabasha Caves website, visitors can take part in the Lost Souls Cave Tour every Saturday and Sunday in October, in which they share their best stories of paranormal activity and conclude the tour with a slideshow that features the best photographic evidence that backs up the claims of hauntings within the caves. I kind of wish it was like best and worst, you know? Yeah. Like this is the best and this is also the worst. And it's just like a guy with like <laughs> a white ball who claims it's an orb. Yeah. It's like, no, Zach, that's that's just that's just a ball. Or they're just all <laughs> orbs. Yeah, they're just all <laughs> orbs. It's just like, or it's, that's, a, that's a bug. <laughs> or it's like someone like was moving when they took a picture yeah. and they're like, that's a ghost. And I was like, no, that's actually no. Johnny. It's just Johnny moving weird. Yeah. <laughs> One of the tour guides, a man named Brett Williams, noted in a Minnesota Daily article that he's experiencing paranormal activity on an almost daily basis, such oh. as whistling and phantom footsteps. Also, mm-hmm. I hate a whistle. If I... If, yeah. Living or dead. <laughs> it's It hurts my ears too much. And I think if I was to hear it in the cave where there's nobody else around, I'd pee my pants. Straight up. I agree with you. Wet drawers all the way down. Were you in a cave recently? <laughs> yeah, but I'm not wet for the reason you think. <laughs> <laughs> this is urine. I'm scared. <laughs> and I'm also almost 30. So things are a little bit looser now. Um, <laughs> during their historic cave tour, Brett shared stories of the chandeliers flickering of spirits passing through walls, and of even hearing someone tossing stones behind him while he was in a dark corner of the cave during a tour. So he had, like, his back to this corner, and he could hear someone tossing stones behind him. Oh, I don't like that either. 
That's mm-hmm. eerie. Um, back the train up though to the chandeliers. They're still down. They're still down there. No yeah. one's stolen them. I don't know if they've been replaced, but they still have chandeliers down there. That's pretty dope. Um, that's that still cool. the rest. The rest of the spooky stuff is terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, in honor of your segment, a cult observation, I went ahead and I pulled some one and five star reviews of the love- Street Cave. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, so these one star reviews came from Google. The first is from Melissa Bromrich from five years ago, and it says, One star, Ghosts and Graves Tour was disappointing. If you don't mind staying on a bus for two hours and listen to ghost stories where many aren't documented, many stories from guests, then you may enjoy this one. You do not get to walk through any buildings or or cemeteries, just a bus tour. So I don't know if that was... Yeah, that might have been... So it was five years ago. It would have been before the pandemic. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That might have been before the new management took over because that would have been Probably. 2019. how it works. Yeah. This other one from Melinda Adams is from a month ago. And it says... She wrote more one, than one? This is a new person. Melinda oh, Adams. sorry. I thought... She came back. Head. She waited five years and then she came back. Yep. They always do. So Melinda Adams uh, left a one-star review a month ago. And she said, we walked to the caves during a heat advisory only to be turned away two and a half hours before they were supposed to close with no explanation. The employees were short with us and rude, wouldn't even allow us to use the restroom. Don't waste your time. And she spelled waste as the area around your tummy. Oh, nut. honey. Yeah. Well, that's probably why they were rude to you. <laughs> also, why are you walking around during a heat advisory, sweetie? Yeah. Don't do that. Go home. Go swim. I don't know. Don't don't bug people. Yeah. People are hot. Leave them alone. So, and I found two five-star reviews from Google. Amazing. The first one is from Kristen Tomska. This was three months ago. Okay. And she recent. says, five stars, was able to see two tours, the historical cave tour along with the ghost tour. Would highly recommend both if possible. On the ghost tour, I did get touched a few times. Ooh was definitely worth doing. Where do you think she got touched? Hopefully somewhere appropriate. That's well, what I was thinking, you know, like, Hopefully not like on the, the tatas or the putes. <laughs> My boob got grabs. Great tour. I got felt up. I felt great about myself afterwards. <laughs> I still got it. <laughs> if I could have given it a 10 out of 10, I would have. <laughs> the second one comes from Josh Pagano, who is a local guide, and it was from two months ago. And it says five stars. This place is a triple threat. Oh. It's a bar. They host wonderful historic tours of the caves. And they have a swing dance night on Thursday. It's a great spot for a date or just to have fun. 100% recommended. Smiley face. Oh, okay. Love it. So whether you're a believer or not, the Wabasha Street Caves continue to be one of Minnesota's most haunted places. Mm-hmm. Duly noted. How like how far totally. is it from you? A couple hours? St. Paul is like 30 minutes from where I live. Shit, we're so. going. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can totally go. There are oh, some man. other walking tours in St. Paul that I have thought about us doing when you come to visit. So I'll add it to my list. Excellent. Is that all for Minnesota? Are we leaving? That's the state? all for Minnesota. We're all traveling right. to Canada. 
All right. Well, this week I'm covering a reported haunt spot out of my province being Ontario. And this one is located in Toronto, a.k.a. The Six, a.k.a. where Drake is from. So like, <laughs> I feel like most people tuning in probably know where Toronto is. Yeah. It's a pretty you know, and they know what you need some ghouls. Um, okay, so I will be covering the history and the haunts of the Keg Mansion. As well, I'm going to be doing a little mini segment of Occult Observations since you are here, Lens. You created the name of Occult Observations, so I feel like it's just... I did. You did. You really, really did. <laughs> You're like, you should name it this. I'm like, okay, thank you. I'm going to do it. I love an alliteration, you know? Right. So without further ado, let's get into this location. Due to potential coarse language, brief discussions of suicide, and discussing distressing themes, listener discretion is advised. So this Canadian hotspot takes us, as mentioned, to Toronto, which is one of the country's biggest cities and the provincial capital of Ontario. It's a big place. It's, mm -hmm. you know, you've got the airport, you've got the CN Tower, you've got an aquarium, you've got a couple malls. You've got a lot going on in Toronto. There's, there's stuff happening. There, there's a lot and the traffic is awful. So if you decide to visit Canada and you decide to drive around Toronto, just don't. Take public transit. Just yeah, I was gonna say take the tram or whatever you guys call it. Oh, you know. the, the train, subway. That one about the above ground. Oh no, it is underground. The subway. Yeah, subway. Yeah, we call it a subway. I mean, I call it a subway, but I'm also uncultured. So like, what do I know? At the end of the day. Situated at 515 Jarvis Street, the now Canadian chain restaurant called the Cake, formerly known as the Cake and Cleaver has quite the history. So the former house-turned-restaurant was originally built in 1867 by dry goods merchant Arthur McMaster. Arthur was the nephew of known Canadian figure, being businessman William McMaster. Now, if you're tuning in from Ontario, or just Canada in general, or maybe, who knows, even from wherever, you might be thinking, McMaster, why does that sound familiar in association with Ontario? Well, there is McMaster University in Hamilton, which is like a hop, skip, and a jump away from Toronto. So it's a it's a pretty big university. I don't did I apply there? I don't think I applied there. Maybe I applied <laughs> there. It's a really well known university, and it's quite beautiful. Um, so needless to say, Arthur and his family, the McMasters, they were pretty well off. They were, mm -hmm. as you would say, rich, rich. Um, they had a lot of popularity in their communities. They were very notable. They're all Caucasian. You catch my That'll drift. do it. Yep. That'll do it. So on top of all of that previous mentioned stuff going on for Arthur, because of this, he was able to build his home in the wealthiest part of Toronto, being the Jarvis Street area. Nonetheless, Arthur resided in his house until his death in 1881, when he died of age 52, which was probably very old in 1881. I was going to say that was probably considered geriatric at that point yeah <laughs> yeah they were just kind of waiting like as soon as he turned 50 they're like max a year and then he made mm -hmm. 52 they're like whoa he really exceeded uh <laughs> all of our expectations our expectations all the pets have been lost <laughs> so next to call the building home was the massey family including hart massey his wife eliza and their five kids 
Now, for non-Canadians or people who just don't know, because, hey, our education system's a little fun that way. We don't really, you know, learn a lot. The Massey family is another well-known Canadian family due to their long-standing business in manufacturing farm equipment and for being big fans and supporters of the arts in Canada. The Massey name remains visible through institutions such as the Massey Hall and Massey College, which are both in Toronto, along with the Massey Lectures. Again, another pretty wealthy family that's left their mark on Toronto. So now they move into this house. We went from McMaster to Massey. It's just wealthy people constantly. I do recognize that name for when I was up there to visit. So. Yeah. It's a pretty, again, rich, rich mm-hmm. in Canadian currency. They had a lot All the loonies and toonies. Yeah. <laughs> All the loonies and toonies you could ask for that. <laughs> so... The Massey family moves into the home in 1882, so like a year after Arthur kicks the bucket. And reports claim they did some renovations and additions, such as a greenhouse. They're like, hey, you know what would make this place beautiful? Greenhouse, which, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously. Um, but ultimately, the original Gothic design that Arthur had put in was untouched, which we love. We love a Gothic design. Stop tearing love a good Gothic. Yeah, stop tearing down Gothic design buildings. It's making me sad. So the Masseys wouldn't live in the home forever due to the Jarvis Street area becoming increasingly urbanized and just it was becoming a lot more populated. They wanted their privacy because, again, they're rich. They don't want people coming around their block. So the family decides to leave. They're like, mm, yeah. There's too many pores moving in. Basically, <laughs> the pores are coming. So they're like, mm, we're going to jet. We got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So the building would be bequeathed to the University of Toronto's Victoria College in 1915. By the 1920s, the building was the home for the Canadian radio station, the CFRB, a.k.a. home of News Talk 1010, which my dad listens to pretty religiously, uh, before becoming an art gallery for seven decades. So even after the Masseys lived, I felt like they left. I don't know if it purposely became like this or if it was just how luck had it or it was respect mm-hmm. to them. Um, but I just like how, you know, it was a college. There was studies there. And then there was the radio station, which is, you know, like maybe a stretch here, but a form of art. Mm-hmm. And then it was a literal art gallery mm-hmm. for seven decades. So it's like they never left. That's so nice. Yeah. After its art gallery era, it entered into its restaurant reputation. And yes, I am a Taylor Swift fan. Don't at me. Uh, (laughs) It served as Julie's Mansion until becoming a keg restaurant in 1976. Now, the 155-year-old building sees restaurant goers Monday to Sunday from 4 p.m. to 12 a.m., sucking back escargot, prime ribs, twice-baked potatoes, and more. Do you know what a keg is? I know there's some keg restaurants in the States, but I think it's more of a Canadian chain. I don't know what it is. It's kind of like a fancier outback steak. Like, it's a very steak-based. Like, you go to the keg and you get a steak. Okay, so like it's a, a, a fancy steakhouse. Yeah, it's a fancy steakhouse. I've also never been to Outback, but for some reason, when I think of America, I think of Olive Garden, Outback, and TGI Fridays. That's fair. That's, That's yeah. fair. You can add chilies to the list as well, and that would probably be, <laughs> you know. Okay, sidebar. The next time I come to the States, take me to a Chili's. That's all I okay. ask for. Okay. I will also take you to a Texas Roadhouse, which... Oh. um. Best rolls ever 
rolls. And the portions are Texas size. So beautiful. I do love Texas size things. I'm afraid of that state, but that's neither yes. here nor there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair and fair. Yep. Um, so that's kind of it for its history. So now it's the Cake Restaurant. It's known as the Cake Mansion. It's glorious. It's beautiful. It's chef's kiss. I've never been there, but I've seen pictures. And I have a dear friend who went for her birthday last year, and she said it was really, really nice. But now that we're done the history, <laughs> let's get into some occult observations. For those tuning in, um, as mentioned, and Lens, you already covered it for your section, but occult observations is a segment that I do on Weird Distractions where I basically read, you know, typically two positive, two negative reviews or observations. And it's just a good way to get to know the place that we're talking about a little bit better. Right. The mm-hmm. good, the bad and the downright weird of it all. I'm only going to cover one negative and one positive, starting off with a negative so we can end on a positive note. The first or the only negative observation is from user Sean H. This was back in January of this year. They left one of five stars on Google reviews and the observation reads as follows. Are the high reviews from people who normally eat dog food? <laughs> steak was overcooked and looked like it was purchased at costco oh the peppercorn sauce tasted like mixed gravy from the grocery store vegetables weren't even seasoned that's not hyperbole 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 Hi- probably but they spelled hyper and then b-o-l-e yep hyperbole wow i'm just dumb okay it's a weird word it doesn't seem like it should be pronounced that way but again. yeah hyperbole again the Canadian education system. All I can tell you is I learned that coloring the uh, Northwest or yeah, the territories was a bitch. That's all I can tell you at this point in my educational career. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so everything is ridiculously overpriced. Pre-COVID, the prices made sense around nine to eleven dollars for apps and forty-five bucks for the rib steak, albeit still from Costco. The prices now absolutely do not justify the quality of this place. Once more, the fact there's people that think this there's some kind of prestige to go to the keg. Shake my head. Table bread was fire, though. End of observation. <laughs> so just go sit for some bread and water and then be like, I'm sorry, I forgot my wallet. But just get out of there. Just get. Go on, get. I'm here for the bread and I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> okay, so that was the negative. That was the not so great. Mm-hmm. Now on to the positive. So this uh, observation is from user Anna. They left this in October 2017. So we're going back a couple, mm-hmm. couple years. They left five out of five stars and it was on TripAdvisor that I discovered this observation, which reads, the food was excellent. We had prime rib and salmon, exclamation point. So they were very excited. They're like, we had prime rib and salmon. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could have these meals somewhere else, but the setting in this old mansion can't be beat. During and after our meals, we wandered downstairs and upstairs into all the quaint rooms and little niches. Our waitress brought in the ghost sighting book, and we nosed around where the sightings were reported. One thing to note, the restrooms are upstairs, and there is not an elevator. I read in other reviews the tables were placed too close, but that was not the case at all when we dined. We loved our dining experience. End of observation. So it's not the most accessible place. So that's kind of a not great. Yeah. Um, You know, we want to see more accessibility for everybody to go. 
I don't know if that's because of the layout of the building or the structures or like the age of it all, because it, it's like almost 160 years old. Uh, yeah, I wonder if the renovations would have just been ridiculous to do that. Yeah. Or if it would have. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say, right? Um, mm-hmm. But now that we've covered some of the occult observations, like a very brief of the Cake Mansion, let's dive into the alleged paranormal accounts that makes this place weird. If you've ever been to any cake restaurant, you may think the scariest thing is the prices on the menus because this is not <laughs> because a steakhouse. Yeah, because steakhouse, right? Like it's it's she's not cheap. Um, but it turns out the Cake Mansion Toronto has some other scary things going on. And so back in 1915, Lillian Massey, daughter of Hart and Eliza, supposedly passed away in today's highlighted location. However, I would be silly not to mention that there's discrepancy in the information. Apparently, her Wikipedia page was like, oh, no, she died in Santa Barbara, California, like at the age of 80 or something like that. Meanwhile, there are other places that were like, oh, no, she died in in the keg it's like no yeah i think she might have died in california so it's right off the hop a little bit of discrepancy there perhaps adding on to a layer of produced lore there have been claims that after lillian's death one of lillian's most devoted maids took her passing very hard and is said to have hanged herself in one of the rooms but there's also an alternative to this lore about the maid some locals believe that the maid ended her life after having an affair with one of the Massey men. Well, yeah. it's a little scandalous there. Which well. this affair led to an unwanted and unplanned pregnancy. She fell pregnant. No matter which way you kind of flip it, it's mysterious and it's grim. We have an alleged maid who died by suicide. We have Lillian who some think died in the house, but... She probably died in Santa Barbara. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she was in Santa Barbara in her mind. You know? Maybe. I've never been there, but I, f- I feel like that. I would also hope that that's where I uh, think I'm dying. Wait, it's somewhere it's sunny. Yeah. We're sunny. Is Santa Barbara a good place? Do we know? I've never been. I've never been. I just know that San Francisco, based off the story that's coming out the week before this comes out on my mm-hmm. podcast, trash. trash. Total trash. So yeah. don't die in San Fran. Just I, avoid it. I don't think I could walk in San Fran. I think I would die in San Fran because of the walking. Because I've seen pictures of, like, the streets and the hills. Yeah. When that ice storm hit last year, no. Yeah. I, I think not. Absolutely. Not very accessible for asthmatics. We'll just say that. <laughs> People who have breathing problems don't even bother. Don't even, go. don't even bother with it. Another mysterious death, according to the National Property Inspections website, includes a young boy who was apparently visiting the home one day who fell down the stairs and died due to his injuries a short time later. There were no other details of this death that I could find online. One resource noted the death took place when the Masseys lived in the home, but it's not really clear. There was no dates, no names, nothing. It was just yeah. Well, a boy fell down the stairs and he died and yeah, thus his life, I guess. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, nothing. So finally, one more death that I found online that I wanted to mention uh, actually t- takes us back to 2016. So not okay. too long ago. 
And apparently, it turns out a young man from the nearby city of Mississauga allegedly got into the keg mansion, and presumably after hours, where things took a turn for the worse. And a direct quote from a City News Toronto article to elaborate further, quote, A 23-year-old man from Mississauga has died in hospital on Monday, February 14th, after he fell through a stained glass window on the third floor of the Keg Mansion. Police now saying that the man broke into the restaurant located at 515 Jarvis Street early Sunday morning. Officers arrived at the restaurant just before 7 a.m. Sunday and found the man unconscious in the lobby. So from what I gathered online, no name has been released and there doesn't seem to be really any information, like any details further. We got nothing. We've got a little bit of a story. Well, not really a story, but we have a little bit of historic event of some sorts and just like mm-hmm. no details. Yeah. Do you find that a lot when you cover cases, given you cover like historic, like really old stuff? Yeah, there are some times where I will come across some supposed death that took place. And there are a lot of times where it'll be noted in like multiple sources, but there's no like source. Source. Yeah. Yeah. That like you can tie it back to and be like, oh, this is an actual obituary or oh, this is a news article from the day that discusses this event. Exactly. Like there was one in an episode I did recently where I spent probably an hour trying to find information on this one event. Nothing. Nothing. Anywhere. And I was just like, okay, cool. Right. I love that. And those situations, you kind of have to say, hey, just so you all know. Because you also don't want to feed into the potential misinformation, but you also just don't know yeah. where it came from. So it's like, oh, here's in, here's what I found. Yeah, typically I'll just be like, this was listed everywhere. I could not find any sort of data to back up the claim. Do with it as you will. Exactly. But, you know, fair enough. For those wondering, I don't think it was an employee of the cake that jumped or fell. Again, there's no details, but that was apparently ruled out. So it wasn't a, an employee. They think it was just someone who like broke in and died. Yeah, probably if it was nighttime, probably just didn't know where they were going and fell. Exactly. So nonetheless, peculiar and tragic deaths have taken place on site of the now big estate chain restaurant. And perhaps in connection, the building is said to be haunted. Because, you know, when a location sees death, it automatically becomes haunted. Allegedly, Mm -hmm. allegedly, allegedly. So one haunted location within the building includes a second floor women's bathroom, which allegedly used to be Lillian Massey's bedroom. So it was her bedroom and they turned it into a bathroom. Rude. Yes. Very rude, actually. <laughs> Someone used to sleep here and now you're shitting here? Like, <laughs> Rude. I used to lay my head here and now you lay your ass here. So like, it's not, I don't love it. I would not want that for myself. Thank you. No. Uh, I don't want to be, like, if she haunted that place, I would not want to go from being, like, a lady of the house to all of a sudden, like, moaning Myrtle. Like. Yeah. No. Fuck that. I don't really know. Patrons and staff have alleged to see a woman whose resemblance is similar to Lillian, except she fades in and out of reality like a fog on the lake. One account from a keg mansion patron claimed that she entered said bathroom during a visit where she saw a pair of feet in one of the stalls from underneath. So, you know, how you walk in, you're kind of like, is this stall occupied? I need to pee. Yep. I personally don't look under because, like, gross. I don't want to see people. Um, I usually <laughs> just, like, try and press on the door and if it, you know. But this one patron in particular, she's like, no, I'm looking. I want to see mm-hmm. see what's going on. So she sees some dangling feet. <laughs> Supposedly, the real-life patron goes to the stall right beside this one and later claimed she heard the toilet flush and the doors to the stalls open at the same time. 
but no one actually came out of the stall. Turns out she was actually in the bathroom all by herself the entire time. So a ghost slowly just took a deuce beside her and was, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't think they washed their hands. So you can tell this is a ghost from way back when. <laughs> Hygiene was not a thing. I don't care how upper crust we were. We still didn't wash our hands. We left those things dirty. <laughs> At one point, the King Mansion had a secret tunnel in there, which attached the house to the Wesley Hospital. This tunnel mm-hmm. has been closed off for some time. I'm assuming probably due to like health reasons and stuff, but. Mm-hmm. When Lillian lived in the home, she and her staff would use the tunnel to get to and from the hospital in order to avoid going outside. We really need to bring back tunnels. I think we do, too. I think we do, uh, right? Fun fact, the University of Minnesota has, like, a whole network of tunnels underneath Yeah, that, like, go to, like, the hospital, that go to different buildings. And I'm sure part of it has to do with the fact that it's Minnesota and yeah. it snows. Yeah, But yeah, there's a whole network underneath. Lillian would go to and from the hospital from her home using the tunnel because, hello, it's luxury and that's just what rich people did back then. So the tunnel has been closed off for some time, as I mentioned. A Vice article I came across noted that since the cake has taken over, they've allowed psychic conventions and supernatural specialists come who apparently, quote, believe that since the hospital doesn't exist anymore, that spirits of people who died in the hospital can travel through the tunnel. So I don't think there's... I don't there's, like that. I know. I don't know if Lillian's spirit wanders around like the entryway of the tunnel anymore. But now you got a bunch of psychics and spiritualists that co- are coming in saying like, hey, this tunnel, oh yeah, there's just like spirits coming in and out of it into your kitchen. Yeah, like a ghost. Transit. Yeah, like transit station, basically. Like, I don't yeah. like that. No, that's a lot. Moving on down the spooky list, there is the apparition of the alleged little boy whose fate ended on the infamous staircase of the Cake Mansion. According to the previously mentioned Vice article, quote, Probably the most popular sighting is a little boy on the stairs. Families come here and have a hard time because their children always want to play with a boy on the stairs. And some end up leaving because they are so terrified of him. The boy on the stairs is constantly seen by children, and some of our staff also claim to have seen him. End quote. I don't like it. No. Could she, like, you're eating bread at a table. With your the best family. bread. The, be- the fire, the most fire bread. And you see a little and you, boy. And you just look at the staircase, and there's a yeah. little kid watching you. Yeah, and he looks like he's seen some shit. Because he has, because he died on those stairs. You know, like, it's just... Uh, <laughs> That ruins your appetite real quick. Especially if you have to take the stairs to go to the bathroom. Yes, exactly. Mm-mm. No. 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 That's a no for me. The stairs also seem to have a mind of their own because, of course, with the same Vice article, which if, for those wondering who are tuning in, I am going to put my resource link in today's episode description. Just heads up. But anyways, so this Vice article noted how on one occasion, one of the spindles of the third floor landing fell and landed straight on the bar top downstairs. Mm. So a spindle just plops out one day. Staff fixed the spindle, but one year to the day the exact same spindle falls off again the exact same one so they fix it they put it back in they're like okay whatever probably didn't use gorilla glue or anything Mm -hmm. they probably just whatever or maybe they did who's to say a year to the day a year to the day the spindle's like nope don't like it no i don't like it either i hate Mm -hmm. it you know what i hate it 
I don't. I hate it. I'm going to be very annoyed being the staff being like, are you fucking kidding me? This spindle? I've got 40 uh, tables. Yeah, like the, the maintenance worker that has oh, to come yeah. in and be like, are you shitting me right now? Yeah, exactly. Some wonder if it was the ghost boy merely playing tricks on the staff. I say he's a menace to society, needs to be stopped for property damage. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. These tricks may be more light than the other haunts taking place on site, including those associated with Lillian's former maid. Supposedly, some have witnessed the apparition of this maid roaming around the building, most often appearing in the room she allegedly died in, hanging in the center of the room. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. There's a lot I don't like, okay? Yeah. And this is one of the big ones. I don't, no, I don't like it. I don't want to see that. No. I was going to say, I, I feel like I don't really need to explain why I don't like it. I don't think anyone yeah. can enjoy that paranormal experience no. by any means, shape, or form. No. So other paranormal accounts that have been known to take place at the Cake Mansion include lights flickering on and off, people hearing phantom footsteps, and bottles tipping off of shells on their own, which that's got to be expensive because, A, it's a keg. Oh. Like, of course, they're going to have their cheaper booze, but they're also going to have, like, the high-end stuff. Yeah, they're going to have, like, the Glen Fittages. They're going to have, like, all kinds of really expensive stuff in mm-hmm. the same place. Like, she's not cheap by any means, shape, or form, despite the meat allegedly being from Costco which i don't believe could you imagine the scandal whether this location is haunted or not i'm sure is up for debate for many folks in toronto or those just tuning in if all this sounds like a bunch of hocus pocus then book yourself a reservation and see it for yourself just be sure to get a go container if you find yourself too spooked before the dessert menu rolls around and that is the cake mansion just a little little snapshot of that for spooky season to celebrate halloween nice yeah i would say we should go but it's also very expensive and like balling on a budget (laughs) we could try we could go and get bread there you go and then just be like can we split can we split an app like is that frowned upon i don't really care i'm just gonna do it just bring an extra plate we'll take care of it And with that, I think that's all we have for today. Again, if you want the Weird Distractions resources, I'll put the resource link in the show notes. Lens, do you have anything else you want to add? Not really. I can send you mine as well. So if they want to read mine, they should, certainly can. Beautiful. And yeah, happy Halloween, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you on the flip side. I'm Lindsay and I'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime. And I'm Alex. And if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye. Bye.